Good morning. My name is Jay Rosenthal. I'm the co-founder and president of the Business of Cannabis. This is B of C Live for Monday, June 22nd, 2020. Happy summer. We're in the midst of large-scale social change for the better. Please get involved in your local community and push for change. To all our American friends watching, please register to vote and vote Black Lives Matter. And this week, as last week, please say the name Richard Brooks. BFC Live is a video and podcast production of the Business of Cannabis since 2017 through our web, social, video, and podcast channels, as well as real-world and virtual events. We've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. We encourage you to explore all that we do at businessofcannabis.ca. As a reminder, all BFC Lives are available via podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, subscribe and rate this podcast when you do subscribe to it. It helps us do what we do. Here's what we are up to at Business of Cannabis this week. Today, in a moment, Lucas McCann from CanDelta, the official regulatory advisory of Business of Cannabis, will join us for our weekly Ask the Experts session. Tonight, we have a Cannabis Forward uh, put together by our friends in Alberta talking about supply chain, productivity, and revenue. It'll be 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Eastern. So that's 7 Mountain, 9 Eastern. Tomorrow, on Tuesday, we have our Benchmarks newsletter from our friends at Cannabis Benchmarks, as well as a BFC Live with Vitrina Group, Krista Raymer, talking about cannabis retail and what should be step one in the cannabis retail journey, real estate. Wednesday, uh, BDSA Insights uh, on Business of Cannabis Live, um, which is our weekly touch base with BDSA, the official insights partner of Business of Cannabis. On Thursday, Allison McMahon from Cannabis at Work will be talking about the job of the week, but also about the overall climate for jobs in the cannabis sector right now. On Friday, we have a Lunch and Learn series with our, uh, presented by our friends at Shopify. Robbie Madan, who's the Senior VP and Chief Information Officer at Alacana, uh, will be talking about how they launched their e-com platform platform for Nova Cannabis as well. Always follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and on our website, businessofcannabis.ca. Thank you to our ongoing partners, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, CanDelta, and BDSA for their ongoing support of the work of Business of Cannabis. And as always, we are protected by our partners at ALSIT. Enjoy this Asks the Experts conversation with Lucas McCann of CanDelta, the official regulatory advisory of Business of Cannabis. Enjoy your day. Lucas McCann of Can Delta, thanks for being here. Happy Monday, Jay. Great to see happy, you. Happy Monday to you. We connect with you guys on Mondays to ask the experts. You are the experts. Uh, we are the askers, or our audience, or the business of cannabis audiences. And uh, it's been uh, super informative, frankly. I uh, I find myself taking notes and then referring back all week to the previous conversation on Monday. We have a good one this week. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Hit me. Uh, sure. Well, not literally, but I will hit you with the question. Um, and, and this is specific to Ontario, but, but we can talk about sort of broader than this too, because I think it's relevant. Looking at the AGCO list of retailers, there are some significant clusters of stores ready to open. Does the province or do specific municipalities have guidelines or ideas about dispensary density? It's a fun, those are fun words to say next to each other, dispensary density. And I guess the other part of that is, do the stores know where each other are going? Okay, that's a great question. We can definitely tackle that one. 
first off, you know, we, we've really stopped using the term dispensary when we talk about the, the regulated market. We've really switched to cannabis retail stores. But sure, for the purpose of today's you know, question, we can say dispensary. Uh, that's a really good question. And there's a lot of good things that Ontario has done. They've been very late to the party. And I, I see this one's framed around the AGCO, but I think, you know, we'll draw a couple examples for what's happening out West. Um, now we've got the Cannabis License Act, which came out in 2018, uh, and that is the law. And then that's got its own sort of set of subordinate legislation called the Cannabis Regulations. Same what we have at the federal level, right? You got the Cannabis Act and the Cannabis Regs. Uh, what they've done in Ontario uh, is they've They've given cities the opportunity to opt in. And once they say that cannabis retail stores are permitted, you can't go back. It's a Pandora's box and you're, you're stuck with the retail stores whether you like it or not. Um, so, you know, from, from that sense, if someone has opted in um, or a city has opted in, then, you know, there, there's really not too much they can do to discriminate against those stores. If we look down to the regulations, um, the Ontario regulations for, uh, uh, for cannabis retail stores, it does not give the authority to pass a bylaw providing a system of licenses uh, respecting the sale of cannabis. What that basically means is they can't discriminate against uh, cannabis retail stores versus other retail. So if an area is zoned for retail, whether it's a, a standalone retail store, a shopping mall, a strip mall, what have you, even a retail store with residences on top, if you can put a 7-Eleven there, you can put a cannabis retail store. And, and that's great because, you know, we still see a lot of stigma, stigma in the industry. And uh, I think a lot of folks might be a little bit hesitant about allowing retail stores in their neighborhood. However, you can't, you can't change that. Um, now, there is some perhaps gray area about limiting the types of business that exists in an, in an area. I don't want to give the government too many ideas, but it might be possible that they could even change the zoning of a particular area to limit types of businesses. I haven't seen that yet, but that potentially could be something to be on the look for. But it's still important to be on the, on the, on the good side of a, of, of a city if you're looking to open up a retail store. Uh, let's use the example of uh, Hamilton, for instance. We re recently did a public notice period there for one of our clients out in Hamilton. And in Hamilton, uh, they're aware that they can actually implement the, these sort of discrimination, discriminatory uh, bylaws and, and, and zoning uh, practices for retail. But what they can do is they can make life very difficult for the retailer and operator. So in Hamilton, uh, anytime a cannabis retail store will open up, they'll actually mail uh, around a, about a 250 meter radius for that proposed store location, informing all the residents of the public notice period. That can make things very, very difficult if you're if maybe situated too close to a park. Right, as opposed to um, like a, a notice on the, on the window of the location. Exactly. Well, you're still required to have that public notice period. Um, but in addition to that, now you've got all of your, your, your community very much aware of your, your operations. And in some instances, they may be upset that the letter came late towards the end of the public notice period. I mean, the city is, you know, obviously investing a lot of taxpayer dollars into sending out these, uh, these letters by snail mail. Um, and that can make your public response period challenging. That is where we've seen some of the longest public notice responses. Having said that, uh, I'm yet to see, uh, I've yet to see a, a, a store authorization be denied because of vocal community uh, participants uh, in this process. Uh, I think it's more of a democratic process that exists to uh, basically get communication happening between the community and the, and the store owner through the, uh, the AGCO. Um, so yeah, that's a very, very important point, which contrasts most greatly with what we have in BC. So in BC, the municipality can effectively put a block on your retail store. Uh, the municipality conversation is huge. So you have to seek a, a, basically a, an approval from them 
to be able to open up your retail store. And in some areas, they've effectively blocked every single application that's gone through, putting those applications in limbo and uh, putting a halt to, to those stores. Uh, and then again, in Alberta, there's a, a big emphasis on, on public notice. That is very central to the approval process. Ha you know, having said that, Alberta's got, uh, you know, over 400 stores. They're, they're a leader in stores. Uh, so I'm not really sure how effective public notice or, or public objections has been at limiting where those stores are set up. If you look at a map of Calgary, for instance, every single highway that intersects the city is loaded with a, a retail store probably every couple kilometers. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, we're this long, this far into it, which seems like an age, but it's really been a relatively short amount of time, two years or, right, or, or less, um, when we've actually seen retail open up. And uh, we've said this on a whole variety of fronts. We had an insurance conversation on Friday that in the States and in here, when legalization happens and stores open up, whether you're calling them dispensaries or calling them retail stores, the sky does not fall. Right, so the, the public perception of what this, a store like this means to a neighborhood, negatively, I think, in some neighbors' minds, actually has turned into, I think, in many respects, quite a positive. And I wanna actually pose another question because as we sort of come out of the lockdown of COVID and hopefully you know, things loosen up and, and we get back to um, at least a summer of quasi-normalcy and whatever that might mean, I, I actually think in Ontario, people are gonna, in downtown Toronto at least specifically, People are going to notice a lot more cannabis stores, and I think they might be happy that stores are opening, no, no matter what they're selling, they're, that stores are opening as opposed to closing down. And, and are you seeing from your clients like an excitement to actually integrate themselves into different neighborhoods? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we've, uh, we've got here is a, a population map um, of Toronto. And then we've super, superimposed all of the stores that we have uh, that are opened or proposed to be opening. And um, one thing that's, uh, that's very exciting is you'll, you'll see definitely clusters around certain areas, but those obviously have a you know, reflective higher density too. Um, and that, that's a huge conversation that does come up in public notice. If there is a store that opens up down the street, that can be something that draws a lot of attention from the community and they, they may be very vocal about that in the process. Having said that, it's not without the numbers to back it up. And you know, having sort of the invisible hand of the market guide where you know, retail stores are successful and you know, God forbid not successful uh, is uh, I think key in letting operators be at the helm of their success in their operations, which Ontario has been great at, admittedly. Yeah, I was slow on the uptake, but good on the sort of letting the market decide what the, dent, the right, dent, go to back to the question, what the right density is. Can I ask you another question because it was sort of the second half of this question and it may be specific to Ontario. Do, do, when people, I mean, we, we can go through the long history of how retail started between the lottery and then the lottery and then the open allocation. Like when in the process do people who are applying know that others might be applying basically right next door? Yeah, so you wouldn't get that until the retail store authorization public notices come out. That's the only time that information is public. And again, you know, we need to frame this in context of, uh, you know, the 150 meters as well from uh, anything defined as a school under the Education Act. Doesn't count for a head office for internet schools or, uh, you know, Montessori schools, if they're not under the act. Uh, so that, you know, that's important. We can't talk about zoning and, and, and density without, without bringing up that point. Um, but exactly, if, if you've got a store location, a storefront that, uh, uh, that, that is available for lease, I mean, once you've got that sign off from your landlord or you have that, that ownership in hand, there's almost nothing they can do to stop you. Right, right. At the same time, you, there's not a great visibility to others opening up potentially right next door. And, and that's going to be the market part of this, right? Like it's going to be who can, who can succeed and who cannot. Sure. I mean, let's take a look at Bloor Street West right now in Toronto. That is peppered with 
uh, cannabis retail stores. And we're seeing a situation where it's almost like two Starbucks opening up next to each other. But you know, it, it's field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. You see lineups at both Starbucks stores or, or Starbucks uh, cafes all the time. Yeah. Well, we, we, I, I live off Bloor. I live just south of Bloor uh, in Bloor West. And we have seen a lot of stores. I mean, big sort of uh, multi-location, uh, like the Tokyo Smokes and the Hobos, and then some smaller retailers like mom and pop types, uh, one called, I think it's Shiva's Rose Garden Cannabis, um, and then another called uh, uh, Growers Retail, which is bigger. Um, but they're all opening up and they all seem quite ready and they've had the notices on the door. And then I see on the sort of neighborhood Facebook group, both people excited about it and then the other <laughs> using Facebook to try to scuttle the store, which has not been particularly successful because I think people know the sky's not falling. That's right. And you know, you look at them to Mississauga as an example of that where they've opted out. Uh, and uh, Omar Khan from H&K made a great post the other day about how if you Google Mississauga cannabis, it's all these illicit de delivery drivers that are, are you know, are, are posting publicly very much in the open uh, saying, hey, you know, buy from us, we'll deliver to you. Uh, in terms of being strategic in, in selection, you know, maybe even operating as close to that Mississauga boundary and offering delivery might be a great way to sort of skirt around some of those rules. I'm not suggesting that anyone do that. You know, uh, opting in and opting out is a very important part of sort of uh, the democracy of, of this. But, you know, let's not forget that we're here to displace the illicit market and to get people uh, encouraged to buy a product that we know is safe, it's regulated, it's tested, and you can feel good about, you know, about purchasing that product from a safety standpoint. Yeah. Well, as always, Lucas, this has been enlightening. We always appreciate checking in with you guys at CanDelta, our regulatory advisory partner of Business of Cannabis. So thank you again for your time. Thank you, as always, for Ask the Experts. And we look forward to connecting with you or someone from the crew next Monday. Thanks, Jay. Looking forward to it. Uh, for those of you that want to get involved and ask your question, just take Business of Cannabis with your question and uh, we'll be happy to tackle it. Love it. I love you. Always be, always be, always be selling the, the Ask the Experts. I love it. Thanks, Lucas. We'll, uh, we'll connect with you guys next Monday. Cheers, Jay. Have a great week. Yep.